Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. These podcasts are brought to you in part by our sponsors, who really truly are what make these podcasts possible every week. O'Fallon Nutrition is a company that I've worked with for over 15 years. They're independently owned and operated, located here in O'Fallon, Missouri, right off of Highway K and Mexico Road. I call this place the Whole Foods of St. Charles County, but even if you are not located on this side of the river, it is still worth the drive. I can remember working all the way down at Powerhouse and still sending people out to O'Fallon Nutrition for their supplements. They are more than a supplement company. You can get grass-fed beef, salad dressing, seasoning for your cooking, uh, hair care products, makeup, uh, deodorant, toothpaste, uh, essential oils, and all the vitamins and minerals that you can think of. If you're looking for clean, whole food nutrition, as well as home care, house care, skin care products, O'Fallon Nutrition is your place. You can take a look at them at O'FallonNutrition.com. Or if you'd like to have something shipped, if you're listening to me from outside of St. Louis, you can certainly have items shipped. I know they do free shipping if it's an order over $50. And the phone number is 636-240-5283. Again, it's O'FallonNutrition.com. As well as if um, preparing your food on a weekly basis is your primary excuse for why you're not able to stay on a good clean eating program, which is something that I hear very regularly from my clients, I would ask you to please take the time to check out Pure Plates. It's pureplatesstl.com. They are a phenomenal place. We get our food from there during the week. They deliver to our integrity location. They will deliver to your house. Uh, They also uh, are just available for pickup. You can go to their Chesterfield location or their Kirkwood location and just pick up meals for the day as well as um, just having them delivered right to your door. So if preparing your food is your main excuse for why you cannot stay on a healthy eating program, then I would suggest just stop by Pure Plates. Just try it. If you're trying to lower your blood pressure, you're trying to lower your cholesterol, you're trying to get your blood sugar down, try to do Pure Plates meals for a week and just see how different you feel. These are organic meals. They are gluten-free. If you need them to be, they can be dairy-free. They are soy-free. Free. You're not taking any processed sugars or meat curing agents or preservatives. They really truly believe in nutrient dense meals that are just whole food nutrition. And I've had my clients or I've made recommendations for my clients for years at Pure Plates. It's pureplatesstl.com or you can call them to ask questions at 636 778 3555. Again, remembering that they have a location in Chesterfield as well as in Kirkwood that you can just run by and pick up a meal today. Everyone always asks me where I get my meat from, and given that I really eat meat on a daily basis, um, typically beef primarily, uh, my meat is very important to me. I have an autoimmune condition, and I want grain-free, corn-free meat, and I just haven't found the confidence in stores in knowing that I'm getting 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef. And I have searched and searched and searched for the right farm, and I have found the farm. It's fedfromthefarm.com, fed, F-E-D, from the farm.com. These 
farmers are amazing. It's a it's it's a family. They're they're here in Missouri and they have the desire just like I do to see people well and to see people healthy and they put a lot into what they do. It's such a wonderful family to support. They do uh, offer 100% grass finished, grass fed, meaning that's it. Uh, a beef and I get my ribeyes, I get uh, you know my ground beef, my ground sirloin, I get my chuck roast. I mean, they basically have everything. They even have awesome jerky, but they also have eggs. They have chickens and they have turkey. I'm planning on getting a turkey uh, for Thanksgiving. And if you'd like lamb, they have that as well. Uh, But if you are in need of good quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef or quality eggs, chicken, turkey, uh, don't don't just settle for what you're getting at the local store. to go out on the internet and check out Fed from the Farm, uh, that you can arrange a pickup or you can have it delivered to your for, for to your home, and I can guarantee you you're going to taste the difference. Uh, for me, it my health actually depends on it, so I really thank God to have found such a great farmer. FedFromTheFarm.com. I hope it blesses you. Okay, so good to be with you guys today. The first topic that we're going to talk about today is protein. How to know if it's too much and how to know if it's too little. This is one of those discussions that with what I've been doing as a personal trainer, let's say over 20 years of personal training, um, I've heard from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum to the amount of protein uh, that, that a person should consume. There's an, this is an article by Mark Hyman. It's Dr. Mark Hyman. I, he's a functional medicine doctor. He has a wonderful practice, an outstanding podcast, The Doctor's Pharmacy. I listen to it regularly. A lot of his advice is stuff that I've followed that's tr- made a tremendous difference in my autoimmune condition. Um, but I like this article. I don't necessarily buy every living thing that it says, but I like to use him as kind of a central thought process and then talk to you about how other areas will go this much higher and other areas will go this much lower in their considerations. So um, Mark says, protein has become the emotionally charged macronutrient that no one wants to talk about. The debate of plant-based versus animal-based sources has divided us while carbs and fat have taken center stage as the most important nutrients to watch for good health. But protein deserves some attention. After all, it's derived from the Greek word protos, which means first, a nod to its long understood benefits for human health. Protein provides us with the building blocks of life, helping us make muscle, connective tissue, hair, blood, enzymes, neurotransmitters, and more. Clearly, it's important that we're eating enough of this essential macronutrient if we want to feel strong, energized, and healthy. And I couldn't say that better myself. But many of us are not getting enough protein in on our daily diets. The, the recommended daily allowance, or RDA, for, or is 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. To easily calculate your RDA for protein, just multiply your weight in pounds by 0.36. For someone who is 150 pounds, that would be 54 grams of protein. Uh, The catch is is that the RDA RDA is the minimum amount of protein needed to avoid getting sick, not the amount needed for optimal health. 
Uh, so you could easily Google and that could be the information that you get. Research shows several different benefits for eating more than that minimum amount. For example, some studies suggest a protein intake above the RDA could support bone and mineral density and reduce risk of fractures. Then there is the fact that the natural loss of muscle mass and strength as we age is correlated to uh, to all-cause mortality and linked to the incidence of many chronic diseases like cardiovascular disease, stroke, hypertension, insulin resistance, and type 2 diabetes. To make matters worse, these diseases increase protein de degradation and reduce our ability to synthesize skeletal muscle, creating an even higher demand for protein. For these reasons, it's especially important to eat more protein as we age. If you want to learn about a protein-rich diet, check out uh, uh, Dr. Hyman's podcast, the one that I talked to you about, The Doctor's Pharmacy. He is very consistently talking about different types of proteins, whether you wanna do animal-based, whether you wanna do plant-based, and he's also talking about how much protein that a person should have. At the end of the day, do I think that the 0.8 grams um, per pound of body of body weight is enough. Um, I've read in many cases that 0.8 grams is the amount you should consider if you're trying to lose weight, and one gram is the amount that you could should consume if you're wanting to try to maintain. And like 1.25 to 1.5 is the amount that you should consume if you're wanting to gain weight, meaning put more muscle on. The problem is, in my personal opinion, and, and over the years of working with people, I don't feel like everyone just fits a generic protein mold. Um, I, and I'm just telling you that I've learned this from experience. I, I'm not trying to give you uh, exact science. I'm not trying to argue with anybody. I'm just telling you and working with folks what I've determined, and we are gonna talk about this a little bit today, is that number one, if someone doesn't have a healthy gut environment, it is gonna be very challenging for them to consume a high amount of protein because they may or may not be in a position to where the body can actually break this down. Um, if that's the case, and they're consuming more protein than what their body is actually capable of breaking down, then they're very likely to be in a position to take all that extra protein that they're not using and end up storing it as body fat. Um, in addition, depending upon the type of protein that it is, it may not be the right protein for your, for your body type or even for your blood type. So B blood types don't do well with chicken. A blood types don't do well with beef. O blood types do amazing with beef. So like you can kind of go that route and try to determine how a body, you know, how a person's body is going to best digest their food. Um, you can determine if if they're even if they even have a gut environment that's actually going to allow them to correctly digest the food, or are you gonna have to add enzymes, maybe something like betaine 
to add acid to the stomach to better digest the food. I'll use an A blood type for an example. They have a tendency to have low stomach acidity. And so if they're going to try to eat beef, which is not a highly beneficial meat for an A blood type, but if they are going to try to eat beef, in most cases, I would normally have to give them betaine so that they have enough acid to actually work at being able to break that beef down. Otherwise, it may actually just sit like a brick in their stomach. And I mean, it's pretty amazing how consistent that is across the board for an A blood type. But yet for an O blood type, if they try to go on a plant-based diet where they're doing pea protein, rice protein, uh, more beans, I watch them just grow and swell and create more inflammation and they do not feel good. It can change their brain. There's just so many things that it can change for them. Uh, as a B blood type, I'm somewhat blown away by the impact that eliminating chicken can have on them. It's pretty remarkable um, how different that they can feel. In fact, when it comes to the B blood type clients that are actually trying to lose weight, I'm somewhat blown away by how quickly they can start that weight loss process when they move to turkey instead of chicken. So for their white meat, they do turkey instead of chicken. Uh, so I, I just overall, it, it, it's interesting how different it can be per person. Now, when I want to lose weight, uh, if I'm trying to get leaner, uh, even though I'm a protein type, I'm an old blood type, I am someone that will function more off of protein. I do not lose weight when I'm at that one gram of protein per pound of body uh, weight. I have to be more at that like... 0.8, you know, so if I stay more in the 55 to 60 grams of protein every day, that's when I lose weight. And so many people will say, well, you're just losing muscle. That's all you're losing. It's like someone stuck a straw on my body somehow and they're sucking all my muscle out just because I'm eating less protein. I do agree that protein helps you to protect muscle mass. Um, but I also do believe that there are several people out there that fast on the regular and their muscle doesn't just drip off of their body. So I do not believe that you just lose muscle. And I do DEXA scans, uh, and I have for the past uh, year and a half because I've been doing a carnivore diet. And I've been doing them as an experiment to kind of grow in what I do for a living so that I can kind of have this proof that I'm not losing any muscle tissue just because I'm on this amount of protein. And guess what? I didn't gain any muscle tissue just because I'm on this amount of protein. So at the end of the day, in my experience as a health coach, this doesn't make me right. It doesn't make me wrong. It doesn't make me the protein expert, which there are so many people out there that claim to be. Um, I personally find certain people that excel on higher amounts of protein. And I find certain people like myself that if they are on those higher amounts of protein, they have to accept where they're going to be within their body. So right now I'm on a pound of beef a day. Okay, so I, I have a four ounce serving four times a day of grass-fed beef. Um, so that is how many... Um, ounces that I'm having. And so if you take about, you know, if you try to look and see what four ounces of grass-fed beef is going to be after it's cooked, you're looking at 25 to 30 grams of protein per serving of that four ounces. 
So I'm at about 100 grams of protein in a day. Now on a carnivore diet, that's all I'm eating. So it's not like I'm getting a salad with it or I, I'm not getting a, a thing of blueberries with it. Like that's it. That's all I'm having. To, for me to feel okay on a carnivore diet, I have to do that many grams of protein. I don't feel okay at 55 to 60. That's all I'm eating in a day. Uh, now, when I start adding vegetables in on Saturday and on Sunday, I start adding vegetables in, then I take my protein down to three ounces and I only do it three times that day. Okay, so that's nine ounces of protein. So at that point, I'm getting myself closer to that 60 to 65 gram mark. And I have vegetables during the day. I, I do roasted romaine, I do asparagus, I do some celery, I do a hair of onion. Um, I don't feel like I need more protein. Now, um, I may or may not add some collagen protein. So I may do two ounce servings of the meat and add that collagen protein in there. Um, and then during my week, I may do three ounce servings of protein four times a day and then add a scoop of collagen three times a day. So I'll get the extra 10 grams times three in my collagen so I get a different layer of amino acids. Now, if you really wanna find out how much protein you should be eating, I personally would start by going to get a professional DEXA scan done. Do a DEXA scan and find out how many pounds of lean body mass you have. Okay, and so then take those pounds of lean body mass and then say that times 0.8 or that times one, that may be where I'll decide to fluctuate in between. So for me, that fluctuation was 65 grams to about 95 grams. Like that was kind of gonna be my low and that was gonna be my high. And I do actually feel really good when I'm just kind of centered right in, right in the middle of all that. Now, I wish that that was the only path that you needed to take uh, for figuring out how much protein you should consider. But I don't feel it is. I feel like hiring a professional like myself, you don't all have to hire me. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other people that do what I do and, and do it in a similar fashion. Uh, but there's also a lot of other fitness junkies that could um, not look at the whole picture. They may not be looking at your gut health. They may not be looking at you in terms of seasons and identifying, okay, for the first 21 days, we should do this amount. Then for the second 21 days, we should do this amount. Uh, add a little bit of this to it and see how it digests. When we get to a three-month mark, we want to translate into this amount. And we need to have this much activity in order to be able to do this amount, if that makes sense. That's where individualized nutrition assistance is very helpful and very much worth the money. A broad spectrum program like this is fantastic for giving you those general concepts but there should be no doctor no nurse no um uh, personal trainer no health coach no functional nutrition coach no one that can in a group forum like this can tell you 
this is it, my way or the highway, this is the way it should be done, this is the way you should consider doing it, this is gonna be the best method for everyone. No one has that data. That has not been given, that has not been determined. No one should be able to isolate any one particular way that it should work. And the reason why I do a six month program is because I truly believe that in the beginning of that program, someone is gonna deal well with this amount of protein and at the end of that program, they might be on a completely different amount of protein. I, I mean, two totally different amounts of protein. Um, in addition to the fact that in the beginning, they may not be able to handle certain types of protein and towards the end of that program, they may be able to handle more types. We also may learn that this should never be combined with this. This should never be cooked in this oil. We start to learn their system and how their body's processing and metabolizing things. I personally believe that's important. I think it's important to understand how your immune system is, uh, is, is processing things as well. So ideally, um, these are some gener general generic ways of viewing how much protein you should consume in a day. But in my personal opinion, this is the reason why you would work with someone one-on-one -on -one to have them truly construct and build a program that would be very specifically identified to you, to your system, and one that is ever-changing as you go through the months and you're making modifications. Someone who knows how to ask the right questions on how you're feeling and how things are impacting you. Okay, second topic that I wanna talk about uh, is going to be um, understanding uh, the importance of your gut environment. Um, and just the relation that it can have to how your body actually receives the nutrients that you're taking in on a daily basis. I'm talking about Dr. Mark Hyman a lot today. One of my certifications is functional nutrition. So it's taught by functional medicine doctors. He is one of the doctors that I'm being instructed by and I would highly recommend his books and I would highly recommend following him. He is an excellent doctor. Uh, I wish that I could have him as my doctor. I love Dr. Richard Bly, but I wish that uh, Dr. Hyman I could work with because his knowledge for functional medicine and, and immune conditions is just uh, outstanding. Um, so one of his posts said, having a healthy gut means more than just not being annoyed by a little bloating and or, and or heartburn. It is central to your entire health. It is connected to everything that happens in your body. Even in a perfect world, our gut has a hard time keeping things balanced. But in our world, there are many things that knock our digestive system off balance. Uh, that An example, our low fiber, high sugar, processed food, nutrient poor, high calorie diet that makes all the wrong bacteria and yeast grow in our gut are, are leading to a damaged ecosystem. Overuse of medications that damage the gut or block normal digestive function, things like anti-inflammatories, antibiotics, and acid blocking drugs, as well as steroids. Chronic low-grade infections or gut imbalances with overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine or yeast overgrowth or parasites or even more serious gut infections. Toxins damage the gut such as mercury and mold toxins. Lack of adequate digestive enzyme function which can come from acid blocking medications or zinc deficiency. 
Stress can alter the gut nervous system, causing a leaky gut and a change in normal bacteria in the gut. This is just a simple Instagram post, so it doesn't go into great details, but it does give you those bullets of what could be potentially throwing your gut off. And at the end of the day, one of the leading causes is a low fiber diet. Everybody thinks fiber means oatmeal. <laughs> There's so much more to fiber than oatmeal. So you can eat plenty of vegetables to get fiber. You can have uh, the quality fruits, not in excess, but quality fruits to get fiber. Um, we are having a high sugar diet. So what's happening because of these processed foods and these non-nutrient dense foods, what we're doing is, is we're building bad at bacteria in the gut, making it to where our small intestine doesn't work properly. Uh, we're ultimately building too much yeast and it's leading to more and more cravings for sugar and more and more issues with being able to, to eat a balanced diet because we're always feeling like we need something more. Um, and that's why it says leading to a damaged ecosystem. Overuse of medications. If you didn't know this, acid blocking drugs came with a warning in the beginning that people should not take them for more than a two week period of time because the body needs stomach acid. It's a requirement to have a healthy gut environment, but yet we have people, my mom has taken an acid blocking drug probably for 25 years of my life and I'm 46 years old. And at some point, it's going to end up causing issues with their brain. It's, it's going to end up causing other issues in her body. So we really wanna to get to a point to where we're saying, Oh gosh, if I'm taking chronic antibiotics, if I'm taking chronic steroids, if I'm taking chronic acid blocking drugs, how am I actually rebuilding my environment? I have a very detailed stool test that I'm about ready to get ready to take and I took one a year ago. I'm actually going to get into the habit of taking one every single year because of how detailed that test showed me what my gut environment was. That stool test showed me Am I actually receiving the nutrients in my food? Am I breaking my food down? Do I have enough stomach acidity? Do I have proper digestive enzymes? Is my body, is enzymatic processes okay? Or am I actually breaking my food down like I should? Then it showed me, do I have a chronic infection that I'm maybe not even aware of that's residing in my gut? And a very, very big factor that I found to be such a big thing, even beyond seeing yeast and beyond seeing bacteria in clients in their gut, that which of course the stool test tests for, this is a big one. Seeing if there is an abundance of estrogen that is not detoxing in the gut. That shows up in a detailed stool test if it's the right type of stool test. And so what that's showing you is you're taking in an excess of estrogen and your body's detox systems, they're not set up properly. Number one, we got to set it up to where you're not taking in so much estrogen. You're not warming up your foods and plastics. You're not doing non-organic dairy. You're not doing non-organic chicken. Uh, you're not doing non-organic eggs. Uh, you're, you're, you're not taking in soy, you're not drinking soy milk, uh, all of your products are not consumed with soy, you're not eating soybeans on a regular basis, so we're not building bad estrogen. That's the first thing we do, but then if the detox pathways are failing, then you need to work with someone to help you to better improve that. Maybe that be 
would be by taking glutathione. But there also are products that assist the body in removing this bad estrogen from your system. I don't want to be the one to represent those. That's not my job or my role. A functional medicine doctor could do that. Even a place like O'Fallon Nutrition could do that because they're skilled in understanding what can assist these damaged detox pathways. This is a big deal. If you have a doctor that is willing, being able to do a very thorough stool test can be highly effective. I'm going to try to find a screenshot of the lab in which um, I've had one done. Now, the one I post will not be mine, just so you know, and I'll have a name marked out on it. I just don't have a picture of mine to share with you. I, I wouldn't care if you guys saw it. It's a 20-page document, but I'm just going to give you the screenshot of the front page of it. And the reason I'm going to do that is because it's remarkable what these things test for. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really just phenomenal. And if you're sitting there dealing with small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, you're gonna spend the rest of your life not understanding why you have a food baby every day. If you're dealing with yeast overgrowth, you're gonna spend the rest of your life not understanding why you're addicted to sugar. If you don't have good bacteria, you're gonna spend the rest of your life fighting IBS. Uh, if you're potentially dealing with some leaky gut syndrome, you may end up with an autoimmune disease because you're gonna have all these pathogens traveling all throughout your bloodstream. And at some point, your body is gonna to respond to that negatively. So we got a lot of reasons why we wanna have a healthy gut environment. We also now have another reason why we wanna make sure that we're taking in the right amount of protein. Because if we're not taking in the right amount of protein, and your gut is not set up to process that, you're gonna have old, ugly, dead protein in your gut and it's going to ferment and you're basically going to get food poisoning and you're not even gonna know it because you are gonna have fermented food that is not being released from your system that's just sitting in your intestines and you're gonna walk around feeling like you have uh, salmonella or botulism or some form of uh, food-borne uh, illness, uh, you know, like uh, uh, food poisoning because it's truly poisoning you because it is not being released from your system. So we don't want to take in more protein than your body's capable of digesting, breaking down, and releasing. So that is a very, very important concept. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about what nutrient density means. Um, so understanding that nutrient density is a food that is slow to convert to sugar. So it's one of those types of foods that are very good at helping you to balance your blood sugar. Um, an example would be instead of white flour, almond flour. There's quality fat. There's even some protein in that almond flour. It slows down the absorption of the carbs in that flour. And so if we bread something with that versus breading it with white flour, it's a night and day difference. Now I'm gonna even give you a comparison. If we bread something with almond flour as opposed to coconut flour, Almond flour is still more nutrient dense than coconut flour. Coconut flour has double the amount of carbohydrates and coconut is just a more sugary substance. It doesn't make coconut flour bad, but adding a tablespoon of coconut flour to a recipe is one way, not breading everything and completely coating everything that you have in coconut flour. 
that's an issue that's a concern you want to bread something in almond flour that's the more nutrient dense okay now if we bought a danon yogurt first of all it would not be uh, organic dairy it, it would actually just be terrible for you um, and then they add uh, juices and they add other sugars in there that is not a nutrient dense meal at all if we ended up getting unsweetened vanilla coconut milk and then we added our own berries to it and then we added some of the flavored flaxseed oil to it to add a little more fat and to be able to add a little more flavor and maybe a big heaping tablespoon of our collagen we've now created a nutrient dense uh, yogurt that we can throw in the blender and make it taste just like the Danon, but actually better really actually better so understand that's how we're getting to nutrient density we're slowing down the absorption of the sugar we're making it to where there's a fat portion a protein portion and a carb portion but we're making it convert to sugar nice and slowly okay so it's more dense it just has the ability to set you up for success even longer um, because you are taking in multiple macros and your body your blood sugar is not just popping up from having it um, i have another post uh, from um, dr mark hyman and it's about uh, high fructose corn syrup and i want to kind of mention it because there are a lot of foods that have high fructose corn syrup in it and they're sort of marketed like they're they are kind of nutrient dense they're not okay so don't let that fool you um, and then I also want to relate how these types of sugars um, they they literally can promote fatty liver disease so not alcohol not cholesterol but these types of sugars uh, the high fructose corn syrup found in our processed foods is the single biggest cause of fatty liver soda which frighteningly is the number one source of calories in the american diet is then the biggest cause of fatty liver soda okay i realize most of you are probably trying not to uh drink soda um but i i, I just want to mention this because uh some of you may still be thinking it's okay to have a soda or to have fruit juice it's not this is opening the door to fatty liver disease um, you may be surprised to learn that it's actually not fat that causes fatty liver it's sugar that dangerous belly fat caused by the sugar and starch in your diet then creates even more problems it causes you to have high triglycerides and low hdl the good cholesterol it causes you to have small ldl the dangerous cholesterol particles that cause heart attacks in fact having a fatty liver puts you at great risk for having a heart attack and most people have no idea that they have it here are some ways to help fatty liver first of all eating nutrient dense foods not having blood sugar spikes not having foods that are so full of sugar even just eating too many bananas or eating uh too much fruit and just eating the fruit by itself and so you're not taking anything in to help balance that blood sugar response that you can have to that fruit can cause fatty liver disease it legitimately can it's just too much fructose and your liver bears all the brunt of that fructose cut out all high fructose corn syrup from your diet that's a given uh, reduce or eliminate starch okay get rid of white processed flour white potatoes white rice brown rice uh pastas 
crackers, cookies, cakes. Improve your metabolism through exercise. Eat detoxifying liver repairing foods like kale, collards, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, arugula, daikon radish. All of those are liver detoxing foods. Isn't that amazing? Um, glutathione will help your body to better detox. We've talked about that before. Um, understand that soda, it, it couldn't be more damaging to your health. You're just asking to put yourself in a position to where you're going to create disease. But there's a lot of these foods that are kind of protected by a healthy packaging. Let's use a Gatorade maybe, for example, or a Vitamin Water Zero. They have too many chemicals. They have too many sweeteners in there. Uh, they're, they're just running around uh, packaged as something that's healthier or maybe a protein bar. I just had a Kind Bar sent to me today. It has sugar in it. It just has cane sugar in it. And then it has honey on top of the sugar. And then it has oatmeal and it has rice. It has chocolate chips. At no point is that kind bar a healthy bar for you. At no point is it a nutrient dense option for you. You have to understand that you're setting yourself up for failure, not just in weight gain, but you're setting yourself up inside your body. And so what this person said when they sent that bar to me is they said, well, she's already reached her weight loss goals, so she's thinking that this is an okay thing to have on a regular basis. And we get so hung up on sticking with the scale and watching the scale and trying to identify, you know, okay, I'm, I'm still kind of in, you know, I'm still kind of in my scale, you know, range, so I must be healthy. But at the end of the day, that that's not it. That's not enough. That's not enough of what's going to keep you healthy. You've got to set yourself up differently. We cannot, we cannot uh, only measure our health by the scale because I've watched over the years from working in the gym, I have watched a number, and I mean a number of people legitimately uh, sit in the ICU after having a heart attack uh, because uh, they had a quadruple bypass. And I'm going to tell you right now, those people were at the okay weight. I mean, their weight was not off. In fact, they looked like bodybuilders, but they just were not consuming the right foods. So I hope that this helps you. I pray that this blesses you. I know that it's not an exact eat this protein or, or, or an exact, you know, this amount every day, but you do need some individual instruction when it comes to that. Um, also want you understanding nutrient dense foods are the way to go. Knowing that each meal that you're eating is well balanced, each snack that you're eating is well balanced is so important. Don't just grab a piece of fruit. Don't grab a bar that has sugar in it, first of all, honey, uh, oatmeal, rice, and chocolate chips. It's just a big pile of carbohydrates. Just because they throw a couple almonds in there doesn't make it a, a, a quality thing for you to consume. So please, please be cautious of that. And for, by, by goodness, for goodness sake, don't consider, and I mean consider, eating anything with high fructose corn syrup in it. Anything. We used to be fatty liver disease was because of alcohol. It was because people were consuming too much alcohol. That's not even the issue anymore. People are not dealing with fatty liver disease because of alcohol anymore. They're dealing with it because of sugar consumption. And sugar has literally become the new alcohol. I pray that blesses you guys.